0: You can put you can load a lot up so i think yeah it's it, the key in life is to figure out what's the right mix there it is to become yeah. an alchemist yeah. and what an alchemist is somebody who knows just the right mix that actually this <laughs> a little bit of this a little bit of that you put it together and, it, and it's a powerful combination there it is and you get better at that with age, I will say. There's a lot of things you get worse at, at with age, but you, you become an mm-hmm. alchemist as you get older because you know just a little bit of this, you're, you're a mixologist of emotions. There it is.
1: Welcome to the Taking Off the Mask podcast. My name is Ashanti Branch, and I'm really glad you've joined us. Today's guest is Chip Conley. Uh, Chip is a entrepreneur, he's an artist, he's an author. Uh, he's the creator of the Modern Elder Academy, uh, has worked in the hospitality industry, um, created disruption in the hospitality industry twice. Um, but as you know, in this podcast, we talk more about the heart of men than all of the accolades that we achieve. Um, on one of his recent blog posts uh, chip has a, a topic called successism and in the successism it says uh let me let me actually make sure i can say it right um the societal worship of success in a manner that is damaging to the well-being and dignity of many citizens most modern elders wake up to the fact that neither consumerism nor successism will buy them happiness And it's around midlife that they choose to rewrite their success script. Man, I I, only recently have I accepted the fact that I'm in this midlife area. I I always kind of thought I'd be young forever. But I've kind of come to understand that actually, yeah, um, the men in my life um, don't live as long. And therefore, my age right now is an age that is like, Closer to the the end than in the middle, even. Um, but I think the bigger topic of this conversation was around these masks and how long do we wear the mask of having to be successful, of having to have all the answers, the, the mask of having to figure it all out by ourselves before we realize that those were somebody else's stories. That was somebody else's goals that we didn't even finally find the place of being ourself until this moment where we say, you know what? I need to be more of me. You know, before I had the opportunity to meet Chip, he and I, um, I feel like I've known him for years because I read his book called uh, Emotional Equations. And there's one equation that will always resonate with me because I use it a lot of time with the young men in Ever Forward. It says um, um, (laughs) now I can't remember the question, how how, how ironic that um, that my equations are not serving me right now. And it's still not coming back how funny um okay let me see (laughs) all right this is how funny i should just wrote it down before i got on this but i thought i had it memorized so in one of the moments of like oh i got this i've talked about this equation all the time um and then i don't have it together so uh hmm this is pretty interesting right now maybe there's something that it doesn't need to be said. Maybe you should go read the book yourself. Emotional equations. Go look it up, go look at some of the equations that are in this book. Um, and I think that it will open some doors for you to recognize, and, and, and as he talks about it, that all the equations aren't final. It's not, it doesn't cover everything, but what it does is give some understanding, especially for a person who likes math and numbers and, and understanding thoughts and people better it will give you an understanding of that. And I hope that and you in this conversation, when you hear Chip and I talk that uh, something will come alive for you. And how you are operating under certain equations that may not serve you anymore. Maybe the equations work perfectly well for you. Maybe the way that you operate the way that you treat people the way that you um, treat yourself, they're working in alignment with how you define your values. And maybe, just maybe, there may need to be some adjustment in there. And I trust you that uh, it won't be necessarily as hard as a Pythagorean theorem or the quadratic formula, but it will be a way of you tapping deeper into who you are and who you show up in the world as every day. Uh, thank you for being a part of this, taking off the mass journey with us. I'm so thankful for Chip and for being a part of this movement with us. Uh, please share this with somebody who you feel can benefit from this conversation and if you haven't yet had a chance to make a mask yourself you can do that at 100kmasks.com and we hope that this work will continue to add value to you and the lives of others around you welcome to the taking off the Mask podcast i am so glad to have chip Connolly here with me today chip welcome to the taking off the Mask podcast
0: mm, my friend it has been a long time since i've seen you and and then at the same time i appreciate the fact that i've known you for a little while too
1: yeah oh man you know um would you introduce yourself? Uh, like we, I like to uh, have our guests introduce themselves, and then we're gonna jump in. and, I, and I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna tell people a story in a little bit, but I, uh, I, I would I love to have you. Um, introduce you got yourself.
0: it. So, I, I'll do the, I'll do the long version, but I'll keep it short. Grew up in Southern California, LBC, called the curious white boy in my high school because I went to Snoop Snoop Dogg's high school. Um, a few years older than him, though and then went up north to stanford stanford business school started a hotel company called joie de vivre boutique hotel company second largest in the us sold it then joined the airbnb founders uh when they were a little tech startup helped them you know grow the uh, steer the rocket ship and then uh have written five books along the way the most recent ones called wisdom at work the making of a modern elder which led me to creating what's called the modern elder academy
1: man well, listen. I am so glad to have you here. You have, I mean, I when I first read your book, Emotional Equations, I just want you to know that first of all, I'm a math nerd like undercover, right? So I got good okay, masks, okay. but I'm but deep down, I'm a math nerd, right? So love math. I was a math teacher for ten years. When I read that book, like my students, my students knew about you more than they knew who wrote our math book. Because, because I'm telling you, and 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 the the one equation that I I go to all the time, the emotional equation it says, and um, now it's not coming. How funny is that, right? Like I I, I see it all the time. Well, I um, can tell
0: if you just tell me the emotion, I can tell you the equation.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Well, it's um it's, anxiety. Um, or... No, no, it's um dis despair. No, d- despair. despair. Despair is, is,
0: is, suffering, is suffering minus, minus meaning. meaning. Yes. yes. That's right.
1: I have used I've used that with so many people and my young and the young men I work with and when they're going through it and I'm just saying, how can we? Oh man!
0: Yeah, the premise of all this came back to it. I went th- I was going through a dark time myself in my mid to later forties, and um, I read uh, Victor Frankel's book, Man's Search for Meaning, and if I tried to distill the wisdom of that book down to an equation, it was despair equals suffering minus meaning, which basically means that. Um if you're going through a difficult time, the most important thing you can do is to actually find meaning and it'll reduce the despair. They're sort of inversely proportional with the suffering being sort of the the constant. Um, And I'm not saying suffering is a constant in life, but if you're a Buddhist, it's the first noble truth of Buddhism is it's ever present. So long story short is that that, that equation got me through a lot and I said, well, damn it. Why don't, why did no one teach me any emotional equations in my life? And so I went out and studied them with others and created 18 emotional equations in that book. Man,
1: it is, it is powerful. And I'm, I will put the link to it in the chat because I just, every time I pick it up and I think about just how I didn't learn those even growing up, but I, when I got a chance to like start thinking about it, I'm like, oh man, if I can help our young people in our work, I mean, we, mostly I work with young men. When I give them a way to help them see, hey, suffering is a part of life like it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's part of life it's part of the growing phase it's part of the showing up on the planet but if we can just what are you learning from it what are you learning yeah. from it right because if i get okay. stuck in it then it feels like it, there's just no way through it right and I, and so i just want to appreciate you for that That was before i even knew much about you and then yeah. and then even i figured out that one of my really good friends worked for you and i was like what introduce me introduce Mm -hmm. me he's like he's never he's never here he's never he he worked in one of the (laughs) hotels in san francisco i'm like yeah i want to meet that man um Mm -hmm. and so just i want to thank you um and uh, i'm excited for this conversation so yeah um so the mask as you know is this idea of us being able to you and i just have a conversation around masks and uh I would love you to tell me who you want to go first. You can choose to go first or I can go first. um, And then the conversation will start like that.
0: So I'm going to let you go first because I want you to to show me how it's done. And not because I'm scared. I I love this exercise. I think it's, (laughs) you know, for me, I I don't mind getting vulnerable. It's sort of what we do at the Modern Elder Academy with all of our students. Uh, So you go first, though, just to show me how it's done.
1: Okay. Fantastic. And I think, I mean, even I mean, that's going to come up when I, when I talk about, okay, it's going to come up when you talk about the modern elder Academy, that, that's something that's really, st- oh man. Okay. All right. So <laughs> here's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm going to share the front and then, um, and then yeah. uh, I'll, I'll, then I'll just, you know, I'll go over it. So here's my, the mask I drew and uh, here are my words on the front. I wrote uh, dedicated, dedicated, serious, and persistent. persistent. And, and, I, and I think and go that, back to
0: the image again. Okay. Oh
1: yeah, that's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I. It's sometimes interesting when I think about like, am I gonna draw a smile? Am I gonna draw like, uh, in my older masks? When I think about old masks, I've drawn in all the last episodes. I usually write funny on the front, and I I've started to like just kind of hold back on trying to use that because. What I often have done in most of my life is I've, uh, I've, I've had to put on a smile, mm-hmm. as if I was happy, mm-hmm. even when I wasn't, and sometimes it was exhausting. Because I grew mm-hmm. up in Oakland, California, mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of safety issues, and but also walking down the street, people would be like, "Who you mugging? Who you looking at? What you looking at like that?" And I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, "I'm not even thinking about you. <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> thinking about you, but it'll get you in fights, unfortunately, right? Yeah. Because." There's a the, there's stigma about you looking at me a certain way. And I'm like, yeah. And I, so I, I learned how to put on a smile just to disarm people from me. Right. And right. and so I, I, I so I, sometimes I'm like, am I going to make it into a smile? And I am am I, um, I've inherited my my father's type of lips, So if I'm just looking normal, it looks like I'm frowning. Like if I just mm-hmm. without a smile. I'm trying to do it so I get my cheeks are smiling so <laughs> to be here. so it's like I can't I try to but if I just
0: <laughs> oh look at you you're like that's, tough like a tough yeah. guy and yeah. I had no
1: it with no with no, with no with no thought with just mm. the way I was designed and and so I've had to learn how to like always be on yeah. and um and yeah so when I think about dedicated and serious and persistent um Mm -hmm. i'm trying to like use new words and i think i think i'm often serious and i think if i'm not purposely smiling people think i'm upset even though i'm just really just intense on whatever i'm working on and Mm -hmm. and uh and sometimes it gets misunderstood and um yeah but uh i think dedicated you know i've been running this work and ever forward for a lot of years and Mm -hmm. i think these are the things that i think i really try and let people see that you know hey we're I wish we had a bigger team. I wish we had a bigger funding. I wish we had all these things, but I'm just going to stay, keep pushing forward, right? Even um, even though it's not really where I w- would have dreamed it to be at this point, mm. but a lot of things are improving and getting better. So it's kind of like that idea is like, how do you stay dedicated even when you can't see the other end of the staircase, you know?
0: Well, part of it comes back to how do you define success? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> well, we'll come back to that one. That's That's a pretty profound... <laughs> Yeah, there's a there's a workshop we're working on right now in at, at the Modern Elder Academy called "success Successful but not satisfied," mm. um, and it's important. There's an like there's an element of like for a lot of us, uh, you know. I'll, talk, I'll I'll show you. I, we'll get back to that. I'll, okay, here's mine. <laughs> there we go. Oh, can you see it? I, I
1: can. I can. Okay, I can. so
0: it looks like some a sort of like just. You know, monk who's meditating because he's wise and he's curious, but he's also playful. Look at that smile. Nice. He's playful. He's also sort of like a peace lover. You see the peace sign yeah. around his neck. Wise, curious, playful. Well, oh man. and of course, there's like some like – all that stuff exuding from there. Actually, I really liked this image. Thank you for, I, I don't think of myself as much of a drawer, um, <laughs> but I actually liked this. Um, yeah. I, wise, curious and playful is I think how people describe me. Um, I, I uh, Curious for sure. I grew up curious. I was a curious white boy. Um, and that was, I was fascinated by other cultures because I needed to be because I, I went, I, I grew up and went to school and junior high school and high school in the inner city. Um, The wisdom is something I think I've built over time. Um, uh, Honestly, by just trying to metabolize the wisdom back to despair equals suffering minus meaning. If you actually can find the meaning, um, it helps. Uh, One of the things that I I did starting at age 28 is I pulled out, uh, you know, a journal. People say, people give me journals all the time. I think it's because they said, you know, (laughs) go, go, go tell someone else your your problems, not me. Like, just (laughs) write about it. Um, So... I took one of my journals and I on the front of it, I wrote my wisdom book. And at age 28, I started doing something that really had a profound impact on my life. I've been doing it now for 32 years, which is every weekend, I would sit down and it wasn't every weekend back then it was but not now it's not anymore. But back then it was every weekend, I'd sit down and make a list of bullet points of what I'd learned that week. What was my wisdom? And how could I cultivate that wisdom and maybe harvest it in some way? Nice. And by so doing, I was able to accelerate my lessons. And this is a great, great opportunity for young men, uh, young people. But let's just focus on young men yeah. to do at a young age. You like You don't... People think, oh, wisdom is all, you know, just what old people do. No, wisdom is something you build along the way. And we all know people who are 75 years old and totally lacking in wisdom. (laughs) And then there's 25-year-olds who are full of wisdom. So, Mm. and then the playful piece, that third, you know, I, I am playful. I And I come across as playful. And because I grew up in California, sort of been, you know, a little bit of a casual, fun you know, Joie de Viva's name, my hotel company, Joy of <laughs> Life. Everybody thinks, oh, Chip is just such an easygoing, kickback kind of guy. <laughs> Wait till you see the backside. Okay. Let's see your backside first. That, oh, sound, that sounds a little dirty. but um- no. <laughs> Oh, whatever. Once you see see my backside, you'll see where that came from. Okay. Playful can turn into something else.
1: Oh, man. It goes wild. Okay. 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 I I was going to add something, but I'm going to leave it here. Here's where it is
0: fear, not enough. enough. Midwife. What the fuck? Oh, midlife. 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 All right. Midwife. You're you're, actually, here's what I'm doing I'm midwifing your midlife. Uh, it's like
1: bringing, bringing me through, bringing me WTF, through. WTF. Yeah. And, and and I think about it. I'm 47. 46. Oh, 46. 46. Oh
0: man, you are the at the bottom of the U curve of happiness. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that.
1: And I and I think when you when we talked about the modern age when I first heard about it, I was like, I want to go. I want to go. And then literally after after I heard you talk about it at that one event, I someone invited me to be on their podcast called The Midlife Revolution. And I was like, how how you going to invite me to, I'm not midlife. And I realized.
0: <laughs> you Wait, are. I,
1: I, I am. And it began to get really like scary for me. And I, I, the reason I wrote that there, because I was like, I've like, my father passed away when he was four, when he was 30, I think 38 or 42. Mm. One of those. I, I never, he died before I was born. So. Young. Oh, wow. He was young. Yeah. And I was, and I think when I turned 30, I started feeling this fear of like, oh man, this is what's going to, you know, I I had to have a legacy that he left for me. He, you know, he didn't leave a, he didn't leave a note. He didn't leave a letter. He didn't leave a, a declaration of our family. Right. And um, I, I tried to figure it out by myself and, you know, growing up in Oakland with a single mother, there was nobody helping me figure out what it meant to be a man. There was, you know, our grandfather was always there, but he was very stoic, you know, Vietnam veteran. He was like, he, he, he loved me, but he was just like, you know, he was, he was a, Pra- there's, pastor, one, but-
0: there's one way to do it.
1: Man. Yeah, As a, whole,
0: yeah,
1: yeah like a- we're gonna we're gonna wake up at six a.m. on a Saturday. You don't sleep in. When I come to my house, like we're gonna fix a fence. We're gonna pour some concrete. We're gonna cut the trees down. Like, I was like, how do you always find these big projects to do it early in the morning on Saturdays? Like I love going to his house, but I I just knew that Saturday morning. And sometimes I was like hungry for just that kind of energy. But yeah. I never. But it wasn't like we could we couldn't even talk about feelings. I I grew up not believing you could talk about feelings and i think that when i think about not enough it's something i don't even like writing but i know this is what happens inside me that i don't talk about a lot but i but i've given it i've given it voice and i think mm-hmm. um
0: mm-hmm.
1: when i was 8 you know a lot of things happened when i was 8 years old that really dramatically changed my life but i think that the not enough was a part of that the messaging that i had in my head right that mm your problems don't matter you got to help take care of your siblings and take care of your mom and you got to be the man of the house at at 7 years old so you don't get to worry about your problems so keep your problems tucked away and it's only like been in the last you know year that I've been able to even acknowledge that 8 year old boy who didn't really? feel enough didn't feel worthy didn't feel seen um and yeah it's been a it's been a wild journey and so that's when I when I first heard about your the the Modern Elder Academy I was like, I want to go so bad I first of all I need a, I need a, I need to get away but second of all, like I just want to the, the sessions and you
0: know, let's can, get you down there. Let's I'm get looking you down forward there. to it. I, we have I'm something ready. called the Activist and Residence Program too, and you're an activist, so you know. it's So let's so we'll we'll talk about that separately. But okay. would love right. to have you down there. We got okay. Michael Franti. Michael Franti going to be teaching down there with me uh, in early January. So okay,
1: you know. let's do it. Go. Okay. Well, that's my um, back. That's my back. That's, that's your
0: it. back. Okay. <laughs> my back is these three words. Let's see if you can see it. Intensely competitive, yeah. restless, and then the horny monk. So <laughs> the horny monk, we got that side, you got the monk on that side. That monk is, <laughs> that monk looks peaceful, but he's horny. <laughs> so what does that mean? So intense. So first of all, the intensely competitive. I, so some people look at this and say, ship your, t- those aren't bad. Um, th- the point here is not that, about bad i could also say i feel like an imposter sometimes i could also feel like um when i was growing up i felt um very diminished because i had a father who was a marine captain real conservative republican like deep 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 far-right republican um and you know i was a i was a competitive athlete but i also i also was gay and i really had to hold that inside i could not talk about that there was no way and of course i could put that on the back here But what I put on the back here, the intensely competitive piece is the funny part. Was like, okay, yeah, Chip. Chip seems like such a sweet, thoughtful, joie de vivre kind of guy, and you know, very kickback. No, you know, work with Chip, and you'll see he's fucking incredibly competitive. He's intense. Doesn't mean I throw things at people or I'm I'm an, an asshole. I'm not. But man, you want to work with me, you better up your game. Um, and it's not because I'm saying I'm not here to support you to help you, yeah. but I'm not. I don't suffer laggards. You know, yeah. some people say they don't suffer fools. I, you know, I'm a fool. So, but laggards. If you're going to be a laggard, you're not going to actually kick it up a, a notch. Yeah. I'm going to do my best to push you, and if you don't go there, I'm moving beyond you. So, mm-hmm. and I don't say that because I don't care about you. I love you. Yeah. I love you, I love you, but if you're gonna work with me, if you're a friend of mine, I would never say that. You're gonna work with me different story we're we're here we're here to make a difference in the world we're here to we're here to win. but you know back to the question of success what is success? is success just winning? no one of my lessons in midlife has been the greatest success in life is learning. Hmm. and so to be able to you know because we don't have sometimes some control over the End result of did we win or not? We do have some control over did we learn or not, and that is a huge one, and I think one that all of us need to take into account. There's something called mindset. You know, you could have a fixed or a growth mindset. Total believer that you know shifting out of a fixed mindset into a growth mindset opens up your options. Okay, so that's intensely competitive. Now Mm -hmm. restless, I am the you know. Okay, here's Chip meditating, and he's just so. And I am. I've been meditating for almost forty years, and I am certainly. I can come across, especially having been on the board of the Esalen Institute for ten years, and being in environments where mindfulness is important. Oh, people just think, oh, Chip's just sort of a, you know, a yo a yogi a yogi, and he's. Not really. No, I'm pretty restless. I'm pretty I got monkey mind. Part of the part of the reason I come across as <laughs> mindful is because I'm monkey mind and and my way of taming the monkey mind and that restlessness of my soul at times has been to learn how to ground myself and to be present. The opposite of presence is absence and most of us, especially you younger people watching this, hearing this, Mm. this is (laughs) what leads to absence. If you're talking to someone, if I'm talking to you and you're just like on that thing, you are not present. When someone's present, now this gets back to Modern Elder Academy, presence is something you can cultivate over time. And when you are Mm. present to someone and they can feel that presence, Mm. man, it is, it's like they are looking into your soul and they are looking into your soul with love and care not with you know hey i I, i'm i can see your lies i can i can see what you have not done right um so restlessness for me is a very important piece to to wrestle down wrestle down the restlessness because of the fact that when i'm restless i'm looking for distractions Mm -hmm. and i'm not present Um, and then horny monk my god where does that come from this is a, there's an evolutionary astrologer named Stephen Forrest. And I, man, I've been talking to this guy, stings astrologer. He's my, his belief is astrology is not like, you know, just predicting what's going to happen to you. It's more like understanding what are the themes in, of how your consciousness is supposed to evolve in this lifetime. Mm. And so he helps me with my themes. And one of the themes he said a long time to me, ago to me is like, you're a horny monk. I was like, <laughs> dude, I'm not a monk. <laughs> it's just yeah, but you there's in past lives, you've had the, that role. And there's something about it in this lifetime. And so so that's what's so funny about having this image. You know, I wasn't gonna write horny monk here. But like, but the horny monk part of me actually, it's interesting, I, I have prostate cancer and found out uh, which is afflicts, you know, uh, African American men much more than Caucasian men four, four times more. And um, and as soon as I found out I had prostate cancer, I started to explain what was going on with me. Like my hair was falling out of my legs, my chest, like my testosterone was going away. And um after having had a very active romantic life in my 50s, which is, you know, yay, hey, hey, yeah, <laughs> not bad. Um around my 56 or so, 57, I something happened. I just sort of said, okay, well, it's I'm just getting older, and then uh, all of a sudden I realized, okay, wow, um, I found out I had prostate cancer, and oh, yeah. my my natural reaction to my body was to actually cut off testosterone to the prostate, which is one one way for your body to actually try to not feed the cancer. Oh, and wow. so I've not been a, okay. so I've, I've been a monk the last three years, but yeah. not a horny monk. And actually, I will tell you one thing, again, this is speaking man to man male stuff here. There is something to be said for being released from testosterone prison. And Mm -hmm. I, what I mean by that is when you are success, if we're on, they call it the hedonic treadmill, when you're on the hedonic treadmill, you are just going out and pursuing. You're a you're a can-do it person. You're like, okay, yeah. pursue, pursue, pursue the happiness, pursue, pursue the car, pursue the you know, million dollars or the hundred thousand dollars or or the ten thousand dollars, pursue that girlfriend, that hot one. And then as soon as you get the thing you were pursuing and it's yeah. in your hand, it yeah. isn't quite as interesting to you. And there's a new shiny object over there, and you mm-hmm. pursue that. Yeah. Well. If that's your mindset when it comes to dating, romance, relationships, um, that's tiring. And it's beautiful and it's fun as hell until you realize how much energy you're expending. And it's all about conquest. And um, conquest is a form of success. And so I'll shut up in a second. Mm. But I'll just say, for me, it's been a fascinating journey to move into a role in my life where I am – I'm no guru, that's for sure. Yeah. I, I believe that wisdom is not taught, it's shared. But I have moved into an era of my life where I am the modern elder, the wise elder, yeah. um, both at Airbnb and now in my own organization, the Modern Elder Academy. And it is quite a beautiful place to be in my life where I am no longer a passion puppet. I'm no longer. I love alliteration. I, I was, yeah. you know what? I, I was meant to be a rapper at some point in my life. <laughs> I, don't know. Uh, I do like all the way la- language works together, um, but the passion puppet of just like, pew, there's like some puppeteer, puppeteer, yeah. you know. Okay, I'm shutting up.
1: Oh man, I was. Oh, a, you- I
0: just I laid a lot on you there.
1: No, that's. I mean, that's that's exactly what it's about. I mean, thank you. I mean, I'm I'm taking it all in. I like the passion puppet. I like the idea of like when you say the words just come to you because I think sometimes I think words come to me, but I'm not. I don't believe in my writing skills, so which is why I've been having a hard time writing this book. And man, first of all, I just thank you for sharing your story. Now, first of all, I just want to start there and um, appreciate that because um, I, I mean, I wrote you know about the astrology and about the, he, the hedon, hedonistic treadmill. Yeah, uh, that one is. And I, <clears throat> I think that as a, you know, running a nonprofit, I think I experienced that a lot in this, like, we started this new thing. And then as soon as we, you know, accomplish one thing, like, I don't, I don't really give myself time to celebrate that thing. You know, Um, I'm running to the next thing. It's like, it's like, well, I got stuff to do. I got stuff to do. Right. I got stuff to do. And I think when you put it in words around, like, being competitive and, like, how people experience you when they work with you or for you. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I've, I've learned that a lot. And I've learned it the hard way because um, like, I think I, I'm, I'm like cool and nice and I want to be smiling all the time and I'm fun. And then somebody wants to join the team. I, I, I'll hire pretty quick, right? Like, Oh man, you passionate about this work. Like you, I feel like you got good energy and then they get there and they're like, I'm like, what's, what's, and then it's a whole nother, yeah. like, I mean, it's still me. Right. But it's like, there's there's that intensity that oftentimes, if you just see me how I have to operate in the world with always the big smile, it is not clear that 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 I'm, I'm I'm driven right I'm I'm hungry and I'm
0: I'm so driven I totally get that, I, and and let's just be clear that what's true of us in our lives often the thing that is one of our whether it's our biggest shame or it's our greatest glory when it's not modulated properly when you don't know the right alchemy for it like what's the right mix it can be out out of bounds and and so being driven is a especially for young people who have not been in environments where they felt like being driven was going to actually serve them right um but being driven can be a really beautiful thing and then It can drive you off a fucking cliff um it it it, it, whether it's you know the the body keeps score and how you how your body just gets overwhelmed by it or it is the one dimensionality of your life the narcissism that can come with it in terms of okay the world revolves around me these are things that happen with driven people um and oh let's go to this one when you attach your little caboose of your life to an engine and the engine is fueled by an economy or a bunch of sources of things. And then everything falls apart. If your little caboose is only, has only one thing in life, which is the six, you are your success.
1: Yeah, yep.
0: guess what? You actually get to a place where you have an existential crisis. And unfortunately, a lot of people never make it to the other side of that. They actually take their lives. Yeah, And so being being so driven that you become myopic is not healthy.
1: And the idea that what you just said about like, it can drive you off a cliff because this idea that I got to keep going, keep going, keep going, get more, do this. And there's a book um, I'm reading. When you mentioned The Body Keeps the Score, that's a book recently I read, which Mm -hmm. in this last year has uh, really opened up a lot for me. Um, And this other one, where it says it didn't start with you mm. by mm. Margul and and mm-hmm. talks about how child how inherited family trauma shapes who we are and how we are in the cycle. and I think you know when at eight years old when when I was navigating all this craziness in my life, like I just started eating. I started eating for comfort like I started eating like my my father died before I was born, right So what, what in the book it talks about is like stuff that happens while you're in the womb. Yeah, it, You know, we're still figuring out what how it affects you. But my mom was, I was swimming in sadness for months, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what does that do to the child who grows up very emotional, who feels emotions in a really real way? Like, I feel,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, I can feel body language. I can feel people's facial expressions. Like, I'm a feeler, right? But growing up in Oakland, you, you don't show no feelings. Right. So I, I had to learn to tuck everything away. Otherwise,
0: so you are a punk.
1: Oh, you are, and, and the names can get way worse than that, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and I think they imagine that, like. And so I began to eat. So if I don't want to feel, I can't feel. Or oh, I'm, I'm just gonna, because no one, no one makes fun of you for eating a lot because you're a big kid. Oh, but oh, big kid. what the big kids do? They eat a lot. So it was not out of the ordinary. Right. So I let that be the way I could just comfort my my feelings. Just to, I mean, I've I found myself. Start. I started a little candy business in fourth grade,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you and you ate all your profits.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I I learned quick. I learned quick. I learned quick about how penny candies can work. You know, penny candies can go can stretch. You know, and it allows me to buy the big the big the big bars. You know, mm. um, but yeah, it was that moment of like, what am I? What's happening? And I don't think I, I, I only looking back, right? Because you know, what do you know when you're growing up and you just they're telling you you can't do your business anymore but you're like what do you mean I can't how am I going to buy my my my, my substance if I can't sell candy anymore it was like almost taking away from me the thing that I was actually investing in my own wellness <laughs> what I thought was wellness it wasn't it was perceived right but mm-hmm. yeah man <sighs> thank you thank you. I think what this driven part is that that's standing out to me I mean and you know me running this nonprofit, you know I think like sometimes the work is how do I get a chance to like, like I have big dreams for this, right? Big dreams for this organization. And I think like sometimes I'm like, well, when I think about that equation a lot, the reason I think about it a lot because sometimes when things are happening that, I don't, that I'm not happy about, like how do I give it more meaning? Cause I don't want to complain. I don't want to be a complainer. but so even when things are unfair, right, I'm like, Okay, Shanti, how's what's, what's the meaning in this? I'm always trying to find find meaning in this, which sometimes doesn't let me doesn't give me room to process what I'm really feeling about it, right? I think because I'm always yeah. trying to go to intellectual. Try to, and go to Yeah, no, that
0: this is a risk of emotional equations. And you know, this is why a couple of my friends who are women who are life coaches said, you know, Chip, you've written five books, and that 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 book, Emotional Equations, was a New York Times bestseller, but it's your worst book. <laughs> and the reason they say that is because. It is – it can be distancing yourself from what you're going through. And from my perspective, I have a different I have a different perspective, which is like men often just try to like – well, they distract themselves with something else, you know, eating, sex, um, money, uh, athletics, whatever. To my mind, I was like, hey, you got to lure them in w- with the equations. Once they're lured in with the equations, maybe then they can actually – sink into those equations. Yeah. But that, that I don't think I really articulated that enough in the book because the book is really more like the, you know, the intellectual framework for thinking about, okay, disappointment equals expectations minus reality. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Anxiety equals uncertainty times powerlessness. So you get into these equations, but yeah, if you, especially if you, do not for those of you who might read that book, do not read it from cover to cover. That is like eating a box of chocolates all at once. They're, these chapters are like dense. They're not long. They're like 10 pages long, but there are a lot there. And you got to let some time just let your emotions happen. So, yes, I think your point is was well, well taken is that um, let's start by saying emotions. We know none of us were, you know, none of us had a class called Emotions 101. Um, and if we learned, learned our emotions from our parents, <laughs> that wasn't exactly the best teacher. Um, <laughs> you know, and if we have one parent, only one parent, then you were getting like one person, like shouting from a mega horn, mega megaphone.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's not, you yeah. know, so what I, you know, I can just, what I can say is. Hmm, if you don't deal with your emotions along the way, yeah, they, accumulate and this is why the body keeps square sometimes they you they accumulate in your body sometimes they accumulate in some vault yeah way 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 down there and you have ptsd post-traumatic stress disorder but you don't even know it and then there's something that triggers Mm -hmm. that vault to be opened occasionally and you do crap that you just can't believe you would ever do or you say things or maybe it's the alcohol or the, mm. the, the drugs that actually open the door to the vault. But if that, you know, better to have an empty vault. So yeah. for me, yeah. back to my man, back to my little, you know, it looks like Charlie Brown <laughs> as a monk. So meditation, mindfulness does help me to open the vault. On a regular basis, Mm -hmm. and to observe, to become a first class noticer of what is happening in my life. And then to distill what I've learned and to digest it, metabolize it, learn from it, and move on. And when you can do that, not only do you have an empty vault, which is a good thing, Mm. you you also, not if you're a bank, but. But in terms of if of the in terms of the bank of your bankruptness yeah. emotions, yeah, uh, you I do love ma- I do love my language. I I the the that you want you want the empty vault because it's a heavy vault that weighs you down. Yeah, it is a heavy vault if you are going to live your midlife. You know, Ashanti's 80, 86 years old, forty six years old. <laughs> He's like right in the middle of he's right in the middle of midlife, midlife or early midlife. Yeah. Midlife, midlife now supposedly goes from thirty five to seventy five. If it's forty years long, and you're carrying a fucking vault with you, yeah. you have way too much baggage, Wait. and and you do not get have the opportunity to move adeptly and you know, uh, and mm-hmm. mm, like a gazelle yeah. through this part of your life
1: so i love that oh my goodness that is yeah and i and I feel that and i feel and i feel that even with the young people we work with in our work right like you see them they're just looking so heavy right you're like tell me what am i missing right because i think you're amazing but what am i missing because you look like you're just dragging along mm-hmm. like a big load right and i think giving them room to like I tell them it's like letting the steam out, right? Like letting, the, I love that open the vault. I really like that. And I think, I appreciate that for.
0: Well, they're carrying the family load as the book you just put, you, you showed me is like, they're not just carrying their own load. They're carrying, and this is, you know, this gets into a bigger conversation, which we don't have time for right now, yeah. which is, you know, the reparations and, and, and cultural load and, um i'll just say a couple quick things on that i mean it's not you know er, people get all wrapped up talking about reparations about the financial reparations it's like mm, it's like the emotional reparations that that is frankly the more meaningful one financial is important too but there's an there's an emotional reparation. um and and there's just you know having been the other i know you know i think america should have a day called BTO. And when I was a young mm. kid, there's a band called Bachman Turner Overdrive, a Canadian band. BTO <laughs> would be be the other day, be the other day. Mm. And, you know, for being a white guy in a, in a non white school, I got to be the other in, you know, my teen years. Um, coming out as a gay man, playing on an all American water polo team, being in a fraternity, not easy. Being in an MBA program, not easy. I know what it meant to be the other. At Airbnb, I was twice the age of the average employee. So as the old guy, I was the other. We need to help the world see what it means to be the other. Because when you are the other in the, in an, in you and you are the person who's in the dominant paradigm, whatever the dominant paradigm is, it can vary. But let's say generally in the US, it's straight white males um, of age. Uh, of a certain age. And so when you're in that paradigm, people look to you, and this is why you're smiling a lot, Ashanti, yeah. This th- they look to you and they almost expect that you are supposed to be the voice for your demographic, yeah. which is a... If I go into an environment and like I'm the only gay person there and everybody just says, well, whatever comes out of his mouth is just representing that whole collection of people that is a that is a motherfucker in terms of a responsibility and a weight you are holding
1: that's right
0: as well as the prejudice that you're actually confronting when you come into that so i say that you know and i i i, I you know i have i had i have a african american uh, foster son who's 45 years old now um and i i'm a great grandfather of an african american um one and a half year old, so I know what it means to live. I, I will never know personally yeah. the experience, but I can tell you I can empathize with it on many levels, both my own personal experiences as the other, and then having witnessed. You know, and I was in eight year relationship with an with oh, an African American romantic relationship as well. Yeah. So I say that not to sort of say, oh, I, I get I get African Americans. I say it because. We all need to get each other yeah. as the other. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So. And just knowing that that, that everyone everyone has, has as we see things from our own lenses, sometimes what people make a judgment about whether on the outside, they, they they have no idea. Right. They have no idea. And um th- there was something you said about like um like Oh, man, you said it would be the oh, – I wrote it down. But I, when you wrote – when you talked about that new course you're creating, like su- successful but not satisfied or something like yeah, that. And yeah. I'm thinking like that is also part of those emotional weights, right? Like no matter how successful I get, if I don't feel satisfied, I still feel like I haven't done anything. And that I think that becomes a another layer of a load, right? Another layer of like
0: – Well, and being driven. You know, you can put – you can load a lot up. So I think – yeah. it's a, it, the key in life is to figure out what's the right mix there it is to become yeah. an alchemist and yeah. what, an alchemist is somebody who knows just the right mix that actually <laughs> this a little bit of this a little bit of that you put it together and it, and it's a powerful combination there it is and you get better at that with age I will say there's a lot of things you get worse at, at with age but you, you become an alchemist <laughs> as you get older because you know just a little bit of this you' you're a mixologist of emotions there it is
1: and that's my favorite one of my favorite books too so thank you for bringing that santiago into the conversation yes uh, yes and the journey and we keep on the we stay on the journey and Mm -hmm. uh, i want to just say thank you thank you for making time is there anything else you want to say before i mean i i feel like we hit a good spot and i and i can't wait to get to the academy i'm telling you like i'm about to like i'm gonna get on the website
0: Take a look at it, and then tell me, and let's figure out how we can get you there. Let's make sure you come on a week when I'm teaching.
1: That would be so great. I'm looking forward to it. Well, how about you tell folks what you're up to, like what what ways they can find you or what follow your work you're doing, or at least, and please tell them about the academy so that for those who don't know about it, Mm -hmm. um, that would be so great.
0: So you can learn more about me at chipconley.com, C-O-N-L-E-Y. Uh, I have a, a daily blog. It's called Wisdom Well. If you go to the Modern Elder Academy website, modernelderacademy.com, and look for the blog, you can find it there. Or just just do a Google search for Chip Conley, Wisdom Well, and it's a daily blog. Post that up on social media, um, especially LinkedIn. It gets a lot of attention on LinkedIn. Um, what else? Yeah, yeah that, those, are the, those are the key things.
1: Well, we will have that in the show notes. And Chip, man, just uh, as a person who's been you know, thankful for your work and appreciating you and thank you for being taking time to be on the show with us. And I think the more we can give normalized conversations around our, our our heart, right? I think mm-hmm. is gonna make hopefully makes it easier for others to do it as well in their yeah. own friend group, family group, communities. Um, so thank you for helping us to do that.
0: Hey, listen, I, for me, being a vul- being more vulnerable made me more of a visionary. I really do believe that it, it it allowed me to move beyond the past. That vulnerability allowed me to move beyond it and to see the future.
1: Taking Off The Mess podcast is produced by Ryan Louie. Editing videography is also by Ryan Louie. Graphics by Kelly Wong. And a special thanks to the team at Ever Forward, Vanessa Cortez and Kevin Romero. And I'd like to thank everyone who's been a part of the creation of this podcast as we hit this one-year anniversary We hope that everyone who's been a part knows that they're a part of the taking off the mask experience, and we look forward to you being a part of it as well. If you liked what you heard today, please like, subscribe, and share, and we look forward to us continuing to offer conversations that matter. Take care. See you soon.